What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, a huge game on the Eagles schedule. Maybe the game of the year at the beginning of the season. This is the one that I had circled as the game I was most looking forward to. NFC Championship game rematch between the San Francisco 40 Winers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously a lot of emotion coming into Lincoln Financial Field this Sunday afternoon for this game against maybe the NFL's two best teams. And we're going to talk all about it with Rob Stats Guerrero from the Gold Standard Podcast Network coming up in just a few seconds. Rob one of the good ones, man. He's very level-headed with where the 49ers are, where the Eagles are, and we had a great conversation. Going to play that for you here in, in just a couple of minutes. But before we get to that, what a game we've got coming up here on Sunday afternoon. And of course, so much of the conversation about this game is about how the 49ers have been fussing and complaining, all the stuff that they said right after the NFC Championship game was over. And let's just let's just put this out there. The game very well could have gone differently if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten hurt. We all understand that. I don't think Eagles fans are delusional into thinking that they were, that it was going to be the same score, that the game script was going to go the same exact way if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten hurt. But I think you all will remember that I was saying in the week leading up to that game that I did not think Brock Purdy was going to come in and have a good game that day because you had a rookie quarterback who only had seven games under his belt. Almost all of them had been played at home or on the West Coast. He had never come into a place like Philadelphia for a game that would take him to the Super Bowl. No rookie had ever won a game in that spot, and I didn't think that the last guy taken in the draft was going to be the one to do it when all these other great quarterbacks previously hadn't been able to make that happen. So I didn't think Brock Purdy was going to play well. I didn't. I thought the Eagles were going to win that game comfortably. I think I picked 31-7 to as my score before Brock Purdy got hurt. For all the reasons that we felt good about the Eagles that, uh, that season, last season, the defensive line, the way it was, was going, and they just... They dominated both lines of scrimmage throughout the game. Whether Brock Purdy would have been there or not, the offensive line and the defensive line were owning that game in the trenches. And I really do feel like that game would have gone pretty similarly, even if Brock Purdy had managed to stay in the game. But you can forgive the 49ers a little bit for feeling for feeling a sense of what if, because we all have that sense of what if, right? What if the Eagles had Brian Westbrook for that NFC Championship game against the Panthers? And what if Donovan McNabb hadn't gotten hurt in the third quarter of that game? What if Carson Wentz hadn't gotten hit on the head by Jadavian Clowney in their 2019 wildcard game against the Seattle Seahawks? Teams have lost quarterbacks in playoff games before. And it didn't happen because of a freak injury. It didn't be ha happen because of a dirty hit. It didn't happen because of a fluke play. It happened because Hassan Reddick beat his man and hit Brock Purdy's arm before the ball came, before the ball was thrown. And that's what happens. That's what happens. 
in football games before. And you didn't have a quarterback, Josh Johnson, behind Brock Purdy, who was capable just like just like the Eagles didn't have a capable backup when Carson Wentz went down. Josh McCown was not a capable backup. It happens. So you can forgive the 49ers for wondering what if, but all of the nonsense after that game coming in, and it's pretty clear, the 49ers have all the emotion coming into this game. You don't really know what direction that emotion is going to go in. It can be very good if that emotion is funneled and channeled in the right way. It can also be very bad if that emotion is flying off in different directions. If guys during the game are mouthing off, are popping off, are playing undisciplined because they're getting ahead of their skis, that can be very bad for a team that's riding all of this emotion. It comes down to coaching and it comes down to the leadership in the clubhouse. Can you channel it properly? And that's and that's the that's the thing that we don't know about what the 49ers are going to do coming into this game. So, uh it's it's a it's certainly a huge game. We are all talking a lot about it. The Eagles come into this game at 10 and 1. The 49ers are 8 and 3. It is a big game. Uh, to, for the for the NFC standings, if the Eagles win this game, they put a three-game lead between themselves and the 49ers, and they all but lock up the number one spot in the NFC. It's not a done deal by any stretch of the imagination, but the Eagles will have been two-thirds of the way through that scheduling gauntlet with only games in Dallas and in Seattle left. And you'd have gone 4-0 and in this six-game gauntlet. We were hoping for 4-2. and We would have been happy with 3-3. and We've already gotten what we would be happy with. You can just put the foot on the neck of the 49ers by winning this football game on Sunday afternoon in terms of the standings and set yourself up for uh, a pretty decent shot at the at the top spot in the conference, even if you lose to the Cowboys the following week in Dallas. Which if I was gonna if I was gonna pick one game for this team to lose that I think they will lose, it would be that game in Dallas. Just because the Eagles never play well in Dallas against the Cowboys. And again, the, the Cowboys are riding high. Anybody who watched that game on Thursday night against the Seahawks, the Seahawks should have won that game. They had a late lead. They needed to convert a fourth and one uh, just inside Dallas territory, and they couldn't do it because, you know, teams, for some reason, don't have the tush push at their disposal like the Eagles do. They failed to get the fourth down, to get, failed to get the first down. Dallas goes down, scores the winning touchdown. Dak Prescott in the offense was awesome in that game. Dak Prescott now getting... Just as many MVP uh, talk, as much MVP talk as as Jalen Hurts right now. Not sure I understand that, but Jalen, but Dak Prescott is having a terrific season. The Cowboys' offense is humming ever since they left Philadelphia. Uh, they have had their foot on the gas, and so credit to them. They're playing really, really well right now. The Eagles, though, have found a way to win, and so this game comes in with just a ton of juice between the two teams that I think are the best in the NFL. And joining me to talk more about this game, let's stop talking about it. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of this game. Rob Stats Guerrero from the Gold Standard Podcast Network, and of course, you can check out everything they're doing also on the Gold Standard Network YouTube page. Rob, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I imagine that you've been everywhere talking to everyone. I know you had BLG on, on your show earlier this week. A lot of we're a lot of ships passing in the night here but between between our two podcast worlds, I think, as we get ready for this game. Yes, there's been a lot of Niners-Eagles cross-pollination. I was on yes. 97.5 The Fanatic a few hours ago this morning talking about the game. And, but you know what? It's good because the eyes of the football world are on Philadelphia on Sunday. And if uh, speaking from you know for the from the Eagles' perspective, it's felt that way the last like month 
with Cowboys and, and the Chiefs game and and uh, the Bills game last week. I mean, we're getting like one one prime time mega game after another, and and it's been great. The Eagles have won all these games so far, but I think everybody recognizes this is probably going to be the toughest of them all. The 49ers, I think, and the Eagles have very, very similar rosters in terms of overall talent. Um, I am very surprised at the point spread. I'm very surprised the Eagles are three-point underdogs at home, especially given the wins against the opponents they've had in the last few weeks. Um, given the fact that they are 10-1, and one, uh, they have a, a quarterback who's lost three times in the last two years. Um, one of them, of course, in the Super Bowl when he when he played his rear end off. I mean, I, I would expect this game. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was kind of a, an even game, a push or a one-point spread. Either way, but three. I, are you surprised that the betting public is is putting so much money on the 49ers right now? Not only was I stunned that the 49ers were a favorite early, I'm stunned that it's now grown to three points. Three points is a significant number when it comes to betting, especially yeah. for a team that's on the road to be That's like a six-point difference. Right. And I th- what I think it comes down to is I think that the bookmakers are putting a lot of stock into the fact that the Eagles – have gone through a gauntlet, like you said. Their defense has been on the field for over an hour and 12 minutes the last two weeks. 166 Mm. plays. Mm. And that has a toll. It takes a toll on a team, especially when you're playing against a physical team like the 49ers. So that's the only thing I could think of because everything else, you would think that the Eagles should be favored on their home field. Everything you are saying makes sense from a nuanced football perspective, right? People who follow these games, follow these teams, who are watching snap counts and everything, who are clued in on, you know, how, what the how much the Eagles, like you said, have been playing on defense the, these last couple of weeks. My sense is that, and, and maybe I'm wrong about how Vegas looks at these kinds of games, but that are they? I'd be surprised if they're factoring all that in when they when they set these lines, and certainly the betting public doesn't have that top of mind when they're looking at these two teams and and they're, and they're putting money on the 49ers. So that's, it's just, it's very interesting. Are you concerned at all that it provides a kind of a, a a motivation or a bulletin board material for, for the Eagles? I mean, are we past that with, with given the history of these two teams and, and everything else? If there had been nothing else to go on, I think this could have been bulletin board material. But you've got, I mean, a week <laughs> worth of Where quotes. do you put it on the bulletin board there, Rob? Right. It's somewhere <laughs> underneath the James Bradbury is trash from Debo Samuel and the Robbie Gold, if you make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, you can beat him comments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That that's fair. So I think it's a it's a very interesting line. And I will say it's it it worries me a little bit. Um Basically, you are making a great point in the fact that the Eagles defense has been on the field for so much of the time. Um, but before we get into the X's and O's, I wanted to, a couple other kind of larger picture things. And and from a 49ers perspective, you know, there are two games behind the Eagles in the conference. So obviously, if they can go into Philadelphia and they can win, um, they move one game closer in the conference standings and it increases their chances of maybe overtaking the Eagles. Uh, you would just need to finish with the same record in order to get the number one seed and, and home field advantage in, in the playoffs. But at the same time, there's there's so, so much other stuff going on from the NFC Championship game and all the quotes like you mentioned. And um, I, I think that Eagles fans have a perception that the Eagles are in the 49ers' heads a little bit. So obviously, there's a monkey on the 49ers' backs a little bit that they would like to take off by winning on Sunday. But let me ask you, what do you what would the mindset be of the 49ers should they lose this game on Sunday? What does that do to the 49ers 
if they lose this game on Sunday? Well, I think it all but eliminates their chances of getting the number one seed first and foremost. But second of all, you know, the 49ers have this habit. And for me specifically, it's been a kind of an annoying thing, right? In 2019, they thought they were the best team when they lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But they just, Jimmy Garoppolo collapsed the last half of the fourth quarter, so they didn't win that game. 2020, they had massive amount of injuries. They missed the playoffs. 2021, they thought they had the best team against the Rams, but Joukowsky Tart dropped the interception. 2022 against the Eagles, well, we ha- we would have won, but Brock Purdy got hurt. There's always something I feel like that they point to instead of just saying, you know what, we weren't good enough, we got beat. And so I think this week, if the 49ers lose, barring, you know, something crazy like we saw in the NFC Championship game, it might, you know, be a good thing for the 49ers so at least they could say, you know what, we're not on that level. We thought we were, we're not, we got beat, and we got to, you know, correct it, man up the rest of the season and go to a new level. Because I think that the 49ers have always kind of excused their failures and it's very frustrating. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And I know that you have been on Twitter as these as these late Eagles rallies have have finished and they've pulled off these wins against the Chiefs and against the Bills last week, talking about how dangerous a team the Eagles are from from an outsider's perspective as a fan of the 49ers, somebody who follows a team that is that is every bit as talented, it seems, as as the Eagles are. When you watch the Eagles over the last few weeks and really over the last couple of seasons, what is your big concern about this about this football team and say the resiliency or, or the way they're able to just keep winning keep winning games? They just never die. They're never out of it. You know, I've been saying all week, Jalen Hurts really reminds me of young Russell Wilson in that it doesn't matter what happens during the game. I mean, Hurts threw for 33 yards in the first half last week. Second yeah. half comes back. They still put up 30 points. He j- he has this unfailing, 
unflappable belief that not only is he going to get it done, he wants the ball. He wants it to be on him, and he's going to lead them to the promised land. And I do think that rubs off on the team. I think it rubs off on the coach and vice versa. I think I think Sirianni's confidence also rubs off on the Eagles. And it makes them just incredibly hard. You never feel comfortable against the Eagles. And wh- what I worry about in this game is Niners maybe get up by, let's say the Niners happen to get up by two scores. And then it's, you know, third and five, and the Niners gain four. And it's fourth and one at, like, midfield. Hmm. What the Niners should do and what Sirianni would do is he would go for it because he would want to control the game, grab the game in his fist, and say, we're taking control of this. Kyle Shanahan's not going to do that. Kyle Shanahan is going to bring the punter on the field every single time because that's who Kyle Shanahan is. He's an old-school coach in Yeezys, basically. (laughs) And that's going to give the Eagles opportunities to get back in the game, even if the 49ers do find themselves up by a couple of scores. So that's what worries me is, one, the Eagles know how to come back in, in games that they're losing, and two, Kyle Shanahan makes it easier for teams to do that against him. Yeah, and, and I think under Kyle Shanahan, I think I read somewhere the the, the 49ers are something like 0-36 when they're trailing by eight or more points in the fourth quarter. Like the Eagles have this... Have, have this penchant of coming back when when they're down. Have the 49ers can in, in your memory, what's their biggest comeback win uh, of the last few years? Like have they have they had a, a win like what we've seen the Eagles have? I mean, we know they're really great front runners. They get to big leads and they can they can kind of coast from, from there on out. but can they overcome adversity early? Well, I honestly, like you said, I mean, I think they're 0 and 36 or 1 and 36, something like that. I can't remember the one, if there is one, to be honest mm. with you. Now, I do think, you know, that has been brought up a lot in the case of Brock Purdy. And it's almost a compliment to him, right? Because you can't come back and win if you're up by multiple scores in the fourth quarter. And say what you want about Brock Purdy, but he has been for the majority of his time as the starter with the 49ers. So. I understand how you could say that's a question he has yet to answer, but by the same token, you have to give him credit for never having to answer that question. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. And, you know, the the, the Eagles, we see how good they've been against uh, winning teams as well. Um, That's been a big storyline. But we had to look at the point differential, the 49ers point differential, plus 140 against winning teams this year. Uh, That's second best in the, uh, no, sorry, 102 against teams with a a winning record um, so far this year. Only four and two against them, but still, they've they've really done well against teams with a winning record in terms of point differentials. So um, there's no doubt about the fact that the 49ers are supremely talented. I think we're going to be watching maybe the two best overall teams in football here on, on Sunday afternoon. And let's start off talking about uh, the 49ers offense against the Eagles defense, because last time we saw the 49ers offense, Brock Purdy was shocking the NFL world with his play at the end of last season, uh, his ability to go on that winning streak and, and put points on the board as their as the third string out of nowhere quarterback was astonishing. I highly doubted he would be able to repeat that performance in the NFC Championship game, given he was a rookie going into Philadelphia. He'd never been in a situation like that before against that pass rush. We didn't get to see exactly how it would all play out as the game went along, obviously. So now they they come here, and, and Brock Purdy's playing some of the best football of, of his career right now. And the Eagles come in, like you said, probably a little bit tired from all of the plays that they that they had to play against the Bills and, and the Chiefs the last couple of weeks, and they come in a little bit banged up. Zach Cunningham won't be on the field. doesn't look like the Eagles are going to have Fletcher Cox on the field. 
and we know that the middle of the defense has been a bit of an issue for the Eagles, to, to, to say the least. So as you look at this matchup, what is the biggest matchup advantage for the 49ers offense against this Eagles defense coming into this game? I think it's Brock Purdy slash Kyle Shanahan against the Eagles pass defense. And you, you kind of laid it out there. The linebackers, it's dicey in general. And, you, you know, you've got some injuries there in the linebacking core that could put some people in some spots that they haven't been in before. And if that happens, Kyle Shanahan is going to find you and he will put you in a blender. The 49ers have generated more explosive pass plays this season than any other team in the league. And I think that's the thing that people that don't follow Brock Purdy week to week don't realize about him. He is not a dink and dunk quarterback. He looks for doubles over singles constantly. And Kyle Shanahan put it a good way recently. He said, basically, Brock makes the plays that are there, and he also makes the plays that are kind of there. And a perfect example <laughs> is the touchdown, the last touchdown he had to Brandon Ayuk last week against the Seahawks. That's not really a play that's supposed to work, that's supposed to go for a touchdown, but Brock throws Ayuk open into a hole in four Seahawks in coverage. You're not really even supposed to throw that ball, but Brock did it, and he put it in the perfect spot for a touchdown, and that was the game. That's the score that put the game out of reach. That's the kind of quarterback Brock Purdy is. So if you're telling me the Eagles have linebackers that, you know, maybe in their first start, I believe, like Ben Van Notten, is that that's a thing that's yeah. happening? Yeah, Ben Van Sumeren may come. Ben it's... it's who knows? I, mean, I don't. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I mean, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> that's right, what we're talking about here. Yeah. So you've got that. You've got the fact that I think the Debo Bradbury matchup is going to be a thing. Uh, obviously, Debo. There's going to be motivation on both sides there. But I think that that's the advantage the 49ers have is Brock against the secondary. And as somebody that roots for the 49ers for a long time, it is nice to be able to say that about your quarterback going into a big game because I have not been able to say that since pretty much Steve Young retired. Yeah, no, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we talked about the the quarterback situation and, and the offseason and and not being sure exactly what who it was going to mean. We had, we were talking about Trey Lance, uh, I think, back in, in, mm -hmm. in March, March and April, his name was coming up. And obviously, Brock Purdy has cemented himself. I wasn't sure. I said a couple of times during the course of the offseason and even this year during the three-game losing streak that I think everybody had crowned Brock Purdy as a franchise quarterback without really seeing enough legwork. I, I think we've seen enough now to say like he's he's a potential he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, Pro Bowl level quarterback, especially in this offense with all the talent that he has around him. But what went wrong during the three game losing streak? Because he was throwing interceptions, the the offense was stagnant. Uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't running the ball well. Seems to me the way you you beat up on this 49ers offense and you slow things down is to try and figure out a way to keep Christian McCaffrey from running all over the place. Can this offense be successful throwing the football if Christian McCaffrey is held to let's say under 70 yards rushing? Yes, I think they can because of Brock Purdy. Um, granted, the offense does run through Christian McCaffrey, yes, but like I said, Brock, you know, he has the confidence of a daytime burglar. He's going to go out there and sling it if you give him the opportunity. I think that they can, uh, in terms of what went wrong during the three-game losing streak, one on offense, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel weren't there, and if you look beyond Trent Williams on this offensive line, it's not very good. It's really, like, their right guard, Spencer Burford, has a pass-blocking grade from PFF this year of 23. 23. So that's yeah. hideously bad. And then really defensively, the big problem was they were not marrying their pass rushing with their coverage. They would blitz and they would rush the passer, but they would play soft zone behind it. And so the quarterback mm -hmm. would always have their first read available just to get rid of the ball very, very quickly. And if you look, they got roasted. They got roasted by Joe Burrow. They got roasted by Kirk Cousins when he was there. 
So they really hadn't done a good job of marrying those two things together. Over the bye week, they got their heads out of their rear ends and they figured out how to do it. And since the bye week, they've only given up 10 points per game. So hopefully for the Niners, that is fixed. But I think that was the issue back then. All right. Um, the one weakness you did mention that is glaring on the 49ers is the offensive line not named Trent Williams. And there, there is concern uh, from from us in, in, in Eagleville here about the number of snaps that uh, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis had to play against the Bills with uh, Milton Williams being out and with Fletcher Cox being out. Those guys were on the field for an insane amount of time. Now, they're young bucks. They're, they're big boys, but they're young bucks. You know, they... You, you would like to think that a 22, 23-year-old kid can can bounce back from a lot of playing time. And, and you know, he's like, they're, they're elastic. They're, they're rubber bands. They should be able to get right back out there. And Milton Williams will be back on the field this week. But there there is going to be, you know, without Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett has now moved on to greener pastures or other pastures. Who knows if they're greener? <laughs> uh, Nolan Smith may work his way into the rotation a little bit at the, at, at the edge. We haven't seen much of him this year. That, but that still should be where if the Eagles can can keep the 49ers off the board where they can get some win some reps is with that pass rush. And we saw that last year in the NFC Championship game when Brock Purdy was in there and once Brock Purdy left, the defensive line was eating the 49ers offensive line's lunch for most of that game, specifically in the running game. I, I rewatched the game th this week and, and you just re saw so many holes that the running backs had to, to run through. Have they cleared that up? Have they shored that up? The nine? Oh, you, I'm sorry. You mean defensively, the Niners? Oh, I switched to defense, didn't I? <laughs> no, talk. Sorry. Yeah, talk to me about I went. I'm getting excited here, Rob. This, this game's <laughs> a big game. Uh, talk to me about the offensive line against the Eagles pass rush. Okay. Offensive line against the Eagles pass rush is a scary bet. I think it's clear the Eagles have an advantage. Even if they're not as good as they were rushing the passer last year, that's still a clear advantage for Philadelphia. What the Niners have to do is they cannot get in obvious passing situations. They have to be able to rely on quick passes, short passes, and play-action passes. And if you can do that, you can mitigate some of the Eagles' pass rush. But if it's third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, and you're not going to go for it on fourth down like Kyle Shanahan doesn't like to do, then you're in must-pass situations. And I have seen time and time again the Niners' offensive line just cannot hold up. Brock Purdy, since week six, has thrown out of a messy pocket more than any other quarterback. Now, we've been lucky because he's been successful doing it, but that's a tall order to keep asking your guy to do, especially against a team as talented as Philly. All right, so now my schizophrenic brain and I, we're going to transition <laughs> here, and we're going to talk uh, Eagles' uh, offense against the 49ers' defense. And um, obviously, let me start off with Jalen Hurts, because Hurts has been, it's been up and down, right? I mean, the first half of these last two games, the passing game has been abysmal, and DeAndre Swift has been in a timeshare with, with Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott in the first half, and then they... They, they figure things out at halftime. Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, they, they get their heads together and they, they start finding some things that work. And in the third quarter and fourth quarter, the offense looks so much better. The, the plays that they're running make more sense. And you see Jalen Hurts come alive when, when trailing. His numbers when trailing this year far better than, uh, than when he leads. It's very different than last year when the Eagles had so much success in the second quarter of games and just built so many halftime leads during the course of, of, of their run to the Super Bowl. Very different story here in, in 2023. When you look at this Eagles offense and you look at Jalen Hurts and you, you see what's been working and not working, what do you see in Jalen this year, maybe compared to last year, and what do you think the 49ers are preparing for? 
Well, I love the way anytime things get a little hairy for the Eagles, they just go back to Jalen Hurts' legs. They ju- they'll just run that empty backfield, shotgun, spread them out, quarterback draw play, and it doesn't need to gain, you know, 10, 12 yards. Just five, six yards, get ahead of the chains, and that, I feel like, really stabilizes things for the Eagles and opens things up for Philly. I expect them to do that a lot against the 49ers. And then the other thing that Philly does is, look, they recognize A.J. Brown is really good, and we should just throw up a couple of times a game, just launch some deep balls to A.J. Brown. Maybe he catches them. Maybe they get the flag. Worst-case scenario, it's incomplete, and at least puts it in the defense's head that, hey, you've got to you know be on your P's and Q's and watch for this. Meanwhile, we'll just pepper Devontae Smith over the middle because you're so worried about A.J. Brown going deep. So I think the Eagles do a lot of things offensively that are going to stress the 49ers. Dallas Goddard not being able to play in this one is huge because I think that frees up Fred Warner to focus more of his attention on Jalen Hurts. And look, uh, Jalen Hurts is a tremendous athlete at quarterback, but Fred Warner carries CeeDee Lamb in the slot. That's the kind of speed that Fred Warner is working with. So if if he can focus most of his efforts on Jalen Hurts, I think that'll really help maybe slow some of that stuff down. And there has been some conversation about if Zach Ertz clears waivers that maybe they can bring Zach Ertz in. Uh, but who I mean, Zach Ertz is a veteran, but how much of the playbook can he can he pick up in, in a couple of days, even if he does decide he wants to come play in Philadelphia and there's a there's a match there. And I don't see Jack Stahl being the guy uh, <laughs> to take up a lot of uh, Fred Warner's time and attention. So that is that is definitely there had been some hope that Dallas Goddard might be available to go in this game. But uh, all indications are as we're recording on Friday morning that that won't be the case. Um, but again, I mentioned in my in my hyperactive rant a couple of minutes ago, uh, the Eagles' ability to run the football against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. And we've seen the Eagles' running game come and go this year. At times, it's been excellent. At times, it's been stagnant, and they haven't been able to, to get much done. So I wonder, what are the 49ers better prepared to deal with what the Eagles might throw at them in the running game this time around? I don't want to make excuses for last year because I have always said that the Eagles should never have to apologize for winning that game. They didn't do anything dirty in the game to knock out the quarterbacks. They won the game. But I do think that, one, the Niners' defense got worn down over the course of it because the offense just kept going three and out, and basically the defense was always on the field. And, two, I think the Niners' defense kind of recognized, like, hey, we need to make a play. So I think maybe they were a little more aggressive than they would normally be, trying to force fumbles, trying to jump plays, because they felt like we have to do something. We're out of quarterbacks. And maybe that is part of the reason why the Eagles ran the ball so well. But that could be me looking through the homer glasses. I totally acknowledge that. (laughs) This year, it's really weird because no team has given up fewer rushing yards than the 49ers. So you maybe think like, oh, we're good. But I think a lot of that has to do with the 49ers being up by so much late in games that teams just aren't running the football against them. Here's a disturbing stat that keeps me up this week. There has only been one time this season when it has been third and three or fewer where the other team has run the ball and the 49ers have stopped them. Every other time except one, the other team converts on the ground. So the Niners are not good in short yardage. And that is the one area where the Eagles do not need any help. So when you've got a weakness on one team matching up with a strength on another team, that's a potential problem. Let me ask you one last thing. Um, What's your take on the brotherly shove, Rob? where Where do you stand on this highly controversial NFL topic? To me, it should not be controversial at all. I totally agree with Nick Bosa. 
Guys are not getting hurt. They're not breaking any rules. I am not in favor of banning things just because another team is really good at them. Credit to the Eagles. It works. They use it, and they use it, they, you know, they press until it hurts, basically. I have no problem with it whatsoever. It's frustrating as all hell because you're basically in first and seven all the time. But <laughs> it's to their credit, man. Figure out a way to stop it or don't let them get in those situations. But Philly's not doing anything wrong by doing that. It's astonishing to me that it looks like such a simple play, but it obviously isn't. I mean, I'm watching the Seahawks take on the Cowboys on Thursday night football, and they have that big fourth and one at midfield. They they get it. They can keep running clock. They can keep the ball out of the Cowboys' hands. Seahawks up by five, and there's just no thought to. I just I'm I'm so used to the Eagles lining up <laughs> in the tush push in that situation. It still strikes me as odd when I see a team not do it. I, I look. I'm like, why aren't you running the two? That's right. That's not a play that every team runs whenever they have fourth and one. It's just mind-blowing to me because it, it must be a complicated play to get right. Otherwise, everyone would do it. But it just looks so simple. It's it's crazy. Well, I think that they, one, they execute it well. I think the fact that Jason Kelsey is your center, like, unbelievable player there. But also, when you only need a yard, it's really hard to stop. And you've got a quarterback that can squat 650 pounds. Well, that helps. Yeah, that definitely helps. <laughs> You know, like it's a little like Brock Purdy, for example, he stinks at the quarterback sneak. He's not good at it. I think he gets too high. He's been stopped multiple times. Uh, he's not good at it. Jalen Hurts is exceptional at it, and that's to his credit. Yeah, and you want to, I think that he was pretty good at it even before they started bringing the the, the tush push in. But um, anyway, this is a obviously a monster game. The Eagles. This is probably a game the 49ers need more than the Eagles. I think the 49ers come in as the team that. I don't know if desperate is the right word because the 49ers are still in a really good position here. They lose this game. They're still Super Bowl contenders at the end of the day, but the Eagles have this two-game cushion. The Eagles don't need to win this game. They also have the NFC Championship game last year that they they don't feel like they have to prove themselves in this game. So it certainly feels as though the pressure's on the 49ers that, that they have, um, if there's an emotional component to this, it would be on the side of the 49ers. And clearly... The betting public, Las Vegas, feels like the 49ers are a big favorite in this game coming in on, on Sunday afternoon. So how do you see this shaking out, Rob? I do agree with you. I think the game means more to the 49ers than it does to the Eagles, especially because let's say the Niners win this week and the Eagles happen to lose to Dallas in week 14. Well, guess who's the number one seed then? The 49ers would be the number one because they'd have the tiebreaker over both of those teams. Yep. So I think it does mean more to San Francisco, but... I think it's going to be a close game. And if it's a close game, I don't know how you can favor anybody except the Eagles. Like, if it's a close game, I feel like Philly's going to find a way to pull it out. So I'm going with the Eagles, especially if I'm getting points. So yeah. I, my official prediction was 28-24 Eagles. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a lot of respect for Philadelphia. I have a lot of respect. I think Nick Sirianni has a big advantage when it comes to game management over Kyle Shanahan. And I just, I hope I'm wrong, but I think Philly's going to get this win. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. And I, I think I, you see 49ers fans, Eagles fans. I think Eagles fans are more uniformly lining up behind behind the Eagles. Just we've gotten so used to, we, we just don't pick against the Eagles anymore. Like even like against the Bills last week, I think any other team, I would have picked the Bills to win that game because I, I do believe in letdown games. I do believe in, in trap games. And if there was ever a game where the Eagles would have fallen into a trap. It's coming off of, uh, you know, uh, Monday Night Football against the Chiefs, a big, kind of like the 49ers. The Eagles had that, the emotional component of wanting to get a little bit revenge from, from the Super Bowl uh, on a short week against an out-of-conference opponent at home. That is a team 
That is a game a lot of good teams lose. And the Eagles certainly got off to a horrible start in that game. It certainly looked like they were going to lose, but they just, they didn't. And so I've, I, along with other Eagles fans, we've just stopped picking them to lose ever. And we're just, <laughs> when it happens, it happens. We'll say, okay, you got us. But um, I think that the scores and the predictions really nationally are all over the place on this game, which just speaks to the fact that these are two really good, evenly matched teams, and this should be an absolute barn burner on Sunday afternoon. Uh, folks, make sure you're checking out everything that Rob Stats Guerrera has going on over at the Gold Standard Network. They're on X Twitter at GSN49ers, and uh, of course, you can go over to their YouTube page as well. Again, it's the Gold Standard Network. No place better to get an eye on what the enemy is doing when it's the 49ers than there. Rob, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. All right, well, let me get to my prediction for this game. And I, I think you could tell from my conversation with Rob where I'm going here. Could the 49ers win this game? Absolutely. It's like a 55-45 coin flip. The 49ers are really good. They're playing terrific football. And given the Eagles' injury situation, given their shortages at linebacker, uh, given the all the snaps that, they pl that the defensive line played and the fact that they probably won't have Fletcher Cox for this game, um, given the fact that they're missing Dallas Goddard, and I think he would have been a huge part of this offense this week. The Eagles are hit a little bit with some injury issues. They, they come into this game a little bit weaker than they have in, in previous games uh, against uh, the Cowboys and the Chiefs. And the 49ers want this game bad. They really want this game bad bad and this three point you know this three point line the, the people are basically saying the 49ers are six points better than the Eagles coming into this game on Sunday afternoon but I think it just I don't I don't think you can look at these Eagles games and make these picks logically anymore I know every member of the bleeding green nation staff is picking the Eagles to win this game including me I'm not picking this team to lose until they lose again I'm just not. I'm not picking this team to lose until they lose again. They've shown me that they're just too resilient. They are assassins. They are inevitable. This team reminds me of those great Patriots teams. How many times did we see Tom Brady over the years play bad football and still win? For like a half or three quarters until they just figure out a way and the Patriots just felt inevitable. You've got a guy in, jo in Josh Elliott who is our Adam Vinatieri can make any clutch shot, any big shot, anytime he wants. It's really insane. And so I think the Eagles come into this game. It's a home game. I don't know that the 49ers are going to be able to channel their energy properly. And I think this is, I think this is another Eagles win. I think it's going to be close, just like Rob does. And I got, I got a similar score. I'm going to say Eagles 31, 49ers 26. Let's go 31-26. Let's go kind of a weird score for this one. And I think the Eagles come out of this game with a three-game lead on the 49ers for the top spot in the NFC. And the 49ers leave Philadelphia wondering, can we beat this team? Are we as good as this team is? Can we get over the hump? And that would be a beautiful thing uh, for, for a team that could uh, that, that came in. It's coming in talking a whole lot of trash, a whole lot of smack. Uh, the Eagles not responding with the with, with similar fire. And we'll see whether or not all the emotion the 49ers are coming into this game with, whether or not it actually manifests itself in a San Francisco victory at the site of their humiliation last year in the NFC Championship game. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Rob Stats Guerrero once again for joining me. And again, 
everything Eagles 49ers related, you can go to bleedinggreennation.com and check out all of the stuff there, the latest rumors, the latest news, the latest notes, and check out the BGN Radio podcast, everything else we've got going on for you, all the different X's and O's, breakdowns, so much good stuff on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed that you'll want to check out. And also, after the game, make sure to check out the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel for our live post-game reaction show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.